0: Chapter 11 of the Northern Spy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Northern Spy by J. Thomas Warren. Chapter 11 Queer Things Happen. Ben Manx felt a shiver of terror creep over his old bones, as he heard this speech. For as he was lying, concealed beneath the bed, there was no hope of longer avoiding detection, if the bed was overhauled. His anxiety was heightened, as Dick bounded into the small bedroom and seized with energy upon the scanty clothing that lay upon the bedstead. "'Now or never,' said the old fellow to himself, in a desperate tone, as he was exposed to the view of the owner of the house. Ben scrambled out from under the bed, and in so doing upset the worthy Dick, who keeled over backward beneath a huge armful of bedding, striking his head severely against the door of the room, which he had left ajar, and actually stunning him to senselessness. Having struck the door from behind, it closed with a slam, and the next instant Ben leaped through the open window and crouched beneath a quantity of vines that clambered up the side of the house. As he lay here, he heard the noise made by the dragoons in pushing open the door, and their exclamations as they beheld the prostrate form of the worthy Dick. They never suspected that he had been assaulted, but supposed that he had slipped and hurt himself. They soon stripped the rope from the bed, and then returned to the kitchen dragging dick's body out with them and throwing a bucket of water into his face to recover him but as he did not seem in a hurry to return to consciousness he was permitted to lie at will upon the floor like a log Ben manx could no longer restrain his impatience to see what was going on in the house for he felt that it was a critical moment for his friend george So he rose up and peeped into the bedroom. It was vacant and the door was closed. Dang it, I'll go in again. And the nimble old fellow swung himself through the window into the bedroom. He then threw the bedding over the foot of the bedstead and crept beneath it into his old position at the crack in the partition. Now then, we'll see what's what said he with a chuckle old ben ain't worth much humpin' all but dang it what there is of him is good for a friend and a tight fix and if george hain't in that predicament then there's no use o talkin'. blame them villains i really believe they's a gonna hang the boy the audacious scallywags george's son Lagier thought so too the rebels had made a noose at one end of the cord, and had thrown the other end over a crossbeam above. George was standing beneath the beam, with the cord about his neck, and his hands and feet tied. Four stout dragoons had hold of the other end of the rope, and were awaiting the sign from Lieutenant Johnston to run him up. The others stood around, enjoying the fun. "'This is murder, sir.' and an unmitigated outrage upon a union soldier said george st lagere, and i protest against it so do i muttered old ben to himself but the trouble are that protestin don't save the boy nothin short o a a dozen or yankee cavalry would do the business and as there ain't none round this side of the river why blow me ef the jig hain't up with George. And spect if I'm ketched, they'd twist this neck of mine like a stick of molasses candy. That howsomever, hain't o' much account, seein' that my time are about run out anyhow. But it are a sort of pity to have a nice fellow like George hustled off in a short time, seein' he ain't no pack on his back like me. But then, just at present, I'm a little better off than George are, for I have the free use of my limbs, and that are more than he can say. Dang it, that lieutenant are about to give the sign. What shall I do? Use my pistol? Yes. Dang my buttons, if I don't. If I can't save the boy, I'll revenge him. I'll put a bullet through that lieutenant's waistcoat. "'as Sartin as he hangs the boy. "'Now, do you purtiest. "'Oh, my!' "'The sign had been given, "'and the four stout rebels "'drew up the Union officer with a will. "'Ben cocked his pistol "'and placing the muzzle at the crack. "'He took a rapid aim and fired. "'Lieutenant Johnson "'jumped two feet into the air, "'but he was startled. "'Not by the bullet, "'but by the report.' for old Ben at the last moment had changed his aim, and the ball that was to have pierced the rebel's heart cut in two of the cord above George Saint-Lagier's head. Down dropped the young man gently upon his feet. A bombshell would not have created greater confusion in the room than did this shot. "'That's all the load I've got,' said Ben to himself. "'And I'd better get out of here, to onset. "'That's all I can do for you, George.' Goodbye, and may the Lord save you now. Then sprung up and jumped for the window. He tumbled back, however, very unceremoniously on the floor, being assisted by the stout grip of a rebel, who at that second entered the room, saying, "No, you don't, old humpback." Then saw the game was up and very quietly replied, "Just to suit ye, I'll hold on a bit if ye says so." Ha ha. Reckon you will," cried the rebel, as he dragged the old fellow out into the other room. The other rebels burst into a fit of laughter at the comical appearance of Old Ben, who, however, not at all abashed, cried out, "Do your worst, ye audacious willins! Bad luck to all o' ye! When our soldiers ain't nothin to do but to prowl about the country a hangin' innocent people." i hope the lore will send a hump as big as a mountain unto every one of you'uns shame unto ye ter be a laughin at my infirmities tain't a pack o' sins though thank the lore for that who are you sirrah Demanded the lieutenant old ben was the reply how come you here this villain fotched me call my men villains eh well why not if they ain't villains then there's no harm done and if they be then the truth's told say well you say what are ye hanging him for he's a spy who said so no matter i know Ben thought he might afford to stretch the truth a little on the emergency, and so he said, "Then you know more'n the colonel does, Colonel. Who? Montague, of course. What do you know of Montague? seat him three hours ago. Where? Back ter Judge Simmons, and he'll be sure to onset too, I bet. And he'll have a fight soon." i'll warrant fight with whom you sir he wants this spy took alive and if you kill him he'll swing you for it the sound of hoofs was heard upon the road them's yankees said ben sententiously george st legere tried to burst the bonds that bound him but in vain lieutenant johnson hurried to the window Gracious! He exclaimed it's the colonel then murmured george st my fate is indeed sealed he'll hang me without mercy oh my father oh my dead brother unavenged unavenged yes yes george whispered old ben who had crept up to his side the jig's up they'll kill ye sartain Maybe they'll think the greatest punishment they can inflict on me will be to let me live on, to tote this pack around. Dang it, maybe they'll let me go. If they do, George, what'll I tell the old father for ye? Quick, tell him I was murdered, but died a man, was the reply. The words had scarcely passed his lips when the door was thrown wide open, and Colonel Montague entered followed by his troopers hold men he exclaimed in imperative tones what does this mean lieutenant johnson what means this rope and this prisoner bound speak sir we took the fellow as a spy and were about to draw his secrets from him we thought to scare them out of him it's a pesky lie interrupted ben excitedly ye were garna hang him and ye would have done it if i hadn't cut the rope ye know it ye lion pesky lazy rapscallion hang him said the colonel it is well you did not succeed or by heavens your mother would have one son less before an hour you have exceeded your duty, sir thar thar d'ye hear that roared ben didn't the young officer tell ye ye were exceeding the law dang ye no interruptions sir said the colonel your case will have our attention soon meantime keep still ben shrugged his shoulders at this speech and kept quiet but listened attentively and now captain saint lagier continued the colonel in a calm dignified tone of voice we have full information respecting you a son of south carolina you have returned to her soil a messenger of her enemy bearing dispatches the tenor of which are hostile to the welfare of your native state you are in error sir returned george st Legier, in a cold icy tone i am on my native soil as a friend of my state a messenger of those who would bring back the peace and prosperity of other days i regard you sir and your associates as those who have brought disaster upon the south you will please deliver to me your dispatches i have none sir do you mean to deny that you had dispatches no sir i had them but they are destroyed how and where lately they have gone up that chimney in smoke The Colonel looked angry for a moment, and then he began pacing the room. Suddenly he stopped and ordered all except the prisoner to leave the room. I would have a word alone with him. Retire, men, and what I wish you I will call. The dragoons left the room at once, and Colonel Montague and George Saint stood alone, face to face, the latter defenseless, the former armed. The youth spoke first in a defiant tone. FOR HIS YOUNG BLOOD WAS BEGINNING TO COURSE FIERCELY THROUGH HIS VEINS. WHAT, WOULD YOU MURDER ME, DEFENSELESS, AS YOU DID MY BROTHER? YOU ARE ANGRY, SIR, RETURNED THE COLONEL, QUIETLY. AND YOU FORGET THAT I AM A MAN OF HONOR. IF I MAIMED YOUR FATHER, YOU SHOULD REMEMBER THAT IT WAS IN A DUEL, WHERE MY DANGER WAS AS GREAT AS HIS. BUT THE BOY, MY BROTHER, HIM TOO I DESTROYED while he was striving for my life you forget these things passion blinds you give me a sword or a pistol and let justice decide between us now on the instant cried the young man impetuously carried away by the force of his anger no had i desired your life all that was necessary was to have let lieutenant johnson alone a few moments and he would have relieved me of all further care in the matter Your life is in my hands, but I do not want it. I have no quarrel with you, nor would I ever have had one with your family, had they not forced me to it. You talk strangely. I did not expect this at your hands, replied Saint-Lagier, in a more moderate tone. It is because you have been wrongly taught, said the colonel. I have no ill will against you. Let the feud that has heretofore existed be at an end, to prove that I mean what I say. I will give you a horse, and you may depart to your friends. Go and remember me hereafter rather as a friend than an enemy. For a moment the young man stood as if transfixed. What a different meeting with his sworn enemy, from that which he had for years anticipated! And should he forget the past? the vows of revenge the years he had spent in preparation therefor and yet how magnanimous the conduct of this enemy whom he had been taught to despise and hate and then there floated before his angry vision a sweet face with pensive eyes and a winning look and this was the face of alice montague the daughter of the man before him he turned toward the colonel and extended his hand saying i did not think to do this but you have broken me down completely i accept your offer in the spirit you make it henceforth let there be no enmity between us in twenty minutes saint Lagier rode rapidly down the road mounted upon a horse and accompanied by the loquacious ben manx who had obtained permission to accompany the young man and who was determined henceforth to attach his fortunes to St Legier, Colonel Montague watched the two until they disappeared in the distance when he gave the order to mount, and his party dashed at a smart gallop along the road leading to Augusta. The veteran muttering to himself, "Alice, Alice, oh the power of woman's will! How potent your influence for good or ill." End of chapter 11. Recording by John Brandon.